You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. The core meaning of worry is to lack peace of mind. To lack peace of mind. It's a portrait of mental confusion. And 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says this about our God. He is not the author of confusion. If you're lacking peace of mind, it's not God's fault. It could be your cousin's. Could be your Uncle Pete's fault. But one person you can scratch off your list whose fault it is not is your God. He is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Where? In all the churches of the saints. Bottom line, the Lord going to make sure his children get a word that gives them peace. And peace connotes happy agreement. Bottom line, God going to make sure you're happy. God so wants us to be happy to he even tells us how to be happy in trials, tribulations, or troubles. He tells us to count it all joy even though we're going through stuff. Dance anyhow. Why? Because it's going to work out for your good. He wants us to be happy. He does not want us to lack peace of mind. Does not want us to be confused. Second meaning of worry is persistent. You holding on? Anxiety, persistent anxiety. You're constantly concerned about stuff you shouldn't be concerned about, which leads to you talking and doing things you have no business talking about or being involved in. Just persistently being anxious about something. And see, understand this. If if you are a child of God and you are receiving the revealed word of God, but you're still in constant 
worry or anxiety about something, there's a thief stealing your stuff from you. There's an enemy stealing the word from you. Yeah. Matter of fact, let, let me show you something. Let's go to the book of uh, Luke. Chapter 8. Book of Luke chapter 8. Let me say while you're turning again, if you are a child of God and you're receiving the revealed word of God, but you still worry all the time, there's an enemy stealing the word from you. Now consider Luke 8, verses 11 and 12. Jesus said to his disciples, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is what? The word of God. But notice this. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Your heart, in one sense, represents your choices. You're choosing to believe what God has told you. You're choosing to believe that better is here and better is coming. You're choosing to believe that bigger things are taking place. And the devil knows that that's your choice, but then he takes away the word out of your choices or out of your heart. And this is the reason he does it. Lest they should believe and be saved. I got to get that word out of Crowder that he received Sunday before he mess around and get his breakthrough fried. I got to make sure I get the word from Stallings about him getting that double measure blessing before he mess around and believe it. And God quadruple his blessings. The devil being a thief is real. But see, the devil does not steal from you all the time directly. Sometimes he'll use folk. Just like how God uses people. The devil also uses folk. And he's been stealing from the beginning. Remember, he, he stole from Adam and Eve. And so he, he knows that you're believing that God is going to give you a breakthrough. And so what he'll do is he will, he will attack you, not with a fist, side your head. No, he, gonna, he want the word. Say to your neighbor, the devil like the word that you get. That's what he want from you, the word. He want the word from you. Because he knows if I steal the word from her, she's going to stay in poverty. 
If I steal the word from him, he, he'll keep getting worse. He'll be taking pills all his life. She'll be living from paycheck to paycheck all her life if I just get the word every time it comes forth. Look around you. There are some victims in here. There are some folk in here where the devil hits you every other week. Uh, Sometimes he hits you once a week. If he know that a word, that your rhema coming forth, notice it's your rhema. Something that's going to save you. You know what salvation is? It's deliverance, protection, and prosperity. He's going to keep you from your prosperity by stealing your Word. How you doing, so so and so? Just ain't way up, Pastor. Oh, devil ain't been your way this week. He done stole your better is here. <laughs> and better is coming. And, and it's comical, but that happens. I said that happens. I got to move on, but say to, say to a neighbor, or uh, encourage a neighbor, don't allow the enemy to steal your word. Whether it's a spirit you do not see, or whether it's a person with brown, blue, or green eyes. If you recognize your cousin is being used by the devil to try to make you not believe what's been coming forth, know that the enemy using him or her and either put them at your house if, if they're in your house or if you're in their house, just get up and leave. Tell them, I got to go. And just leave. You ain't got to explain nothing. Just tell them, you got to go. And if they say, I went through, oh, yeah, you can get through by yourself. I got to go. I'm serious. Don't allow the enemy, what? To steal your word. Because if he takes the word out of your heart, you're not going to be saved. I want my salvation. I want my salvation. I want to be delivered. I want to be protected. And I want to prosper. Amen? Now let's go back to Matthew 6. And notice verse 31. Jesus points out that people who worry say things. Look at verse 31. He points out that people who worry say things that they have no business saying. I I better read it. I know you're looking at it, but let me read it so I can put emphasis on what I'm what I want you to get. Verse 31 again of Matthew 6. Therefore do not worry. Help me. Saying. Saying. They talk. People that worry. One clear sign is. What they say. What they say. And see stuff. Specifically experiences 
have the capacity to make you say what you have no business saying. You're going through this, that, and the other, and what you're going through got you ready to say something about it that ain't Bible. That is not rhema, logos, not prophetic. From a God standpoint anyway. Do not worry saying. Let me show you something. We, let me show you something in the book of uh, James. Go with me to the book of James. Third chapter. Y'all stay with me. James 3, James 3 and 8. Ready? No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly, help me, full of. Say to your neighbor, you can say some stuff that will poison your mind. Poison your destiny. Poison your outcome. Poison your turnaround. Poison your transformation. Poison what God already has in the works for you. See, you, you're going to always have to bridle the tongue. You can't tame it. So, so you're going to have to bridle it. You're going to have to learn how to not say certain things that the tongue wants to say. It's just like when last year at the family reunion when you ready to cuss out your cousin. But you had to. Or when your spouse got on your last nerve and you was about ready to tell him or her exactly how you felt, but then you say, <laughs> You had to bridle it. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we want to say what we shouldn't say. And see, when you say it, there goes the poison. I say, when you say it, there goes the poison. And, so, and sometimes when, when you have released that poison, and, and then later on you realize you shouldn't have released it. Oh, you shouldn't have said it. It's hard to. Some of us know what it is to, to say something. Then about two days later, you be, oh, God. I was wrong. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? 
And so he did not want them to say things that indicated they were worried. Back in Matthew 6. Do not say or ask what we going to eat. What we going to drink. What we going to wear. Don't get to talking about that. Even though it's a need, don't get to talking about it. Some, some things you know you need, you don't need to talk about all day. I sure need a hug. But you don't need to talk about it every time you call somebody. Man, I need some money. But every time you talk, you're talking about what you need. And see, when you are persistently doing such, it's a sign that you're worried. And, and then he dropped something on them that, in one sense, they had to, to be insulted about just from a human standpoint. But, but then they knew he, he telling the truth, though. You, you ever had somebody say something to you? It was insulting, you know. But you know, but it's the truth. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, man, you've been having this such and such laying around him for three years. It, it's, you lazy. And you be... I'm lazy. Well, it's been there three years. You ain't did nothing. What else is it? I mean, it can be insulting, but it's true. You just don't want to hear it, but it be true. And, and so he dropped on them after they had been going through Training to be Christ-like. Hey, you know stuff y'all worrying about? That's what the Gentiles seek. You saying we like the Gentiles? You're saying that even though we've been following your teaching and so forth, we still acting like sinners? Because figuratively... Gentiles in the text represent sinners. And, and it's sad, but sometimes saints can be in church a long time, but they still act like sinners. Hey, look, all this word and what y'all are doing, all this seeking, this and that, you, you just like Gentile, you just like sinners. And again, sometimes you can be in the church a long time, but you still act like a sinner. You're saved, but seem like you 92% sinner and 8% Christian based upon what you say. Whoa, I better drop something else. 
every time I see you, you would folk. You ain't got no business hanging wet. So when it come to who you hang with, you hang with folks you ain't got no business hanging with 90% of the time. And 10% of the time you hang with folks you ought to hang with. Well, that's insulting. I'm going to put up my finger and leave. I don't have to take that. But it's still right. And see, he had to drop it on them because because sometimes people will get at ease. Get comfortable in doing or saying what they have no business saying and doing. And and then get comfortable in in the mess and have the audacity to say, I'm just waiting on the laws. I'm waiting on my ship to come in. Well, I don't know what dock your ship coming in on, but... It ain't going to be no divine doc. You understand what I'm saying? Is that all these things the Gentiles or sinners seek? I never get one time uh, I read in scripture, really it kind of shocked me when uh, Joshua had took over Moses' position. And, and uh, Joshua was, was, was praying, and the Lord interrupted his prayer to the point to where he told him, get up. Get up. Put you down there praying for any time for you to pray. It's time for you to take care of business. See, sometimes folk can be trying to act so spiritual. But it's just not the time. Just not the time. You have to know the timing of God to the point to where you know how to release stuff as well as embrace things. You have to know his timing. You have to know his seasons. If, if God is telling you something, and I don't care if you've been going through something a long time, once God tells you something, release that thing that you have been holding on to for, for months or years. Just let it go and embrace what God is giving you. Well, my granny said this was all right. But yeah, but the scripture unshowed you your granny was wrong as wrong can be. So it's time. I know you love granny, but it's time to let go of what granny said and embrace the word of God. Well, I was raised like this and I'm always going to be like this, but it's not according to the word. So it's time for you to let that thing go. And embrace what does saith the word. And see, they had a choice. Because, see, he, again, Jesus had been telling them time and time again, look, I don't need you worrying. And when he dropped that on them, it, it was time for them to just make a choice. I'm done with worrying now. Or either way, if I'm acting like a sin, I guess I'm just going to be a sin. 
It's your choice, but you're going to have to make a choice because the way you're acting now, you're acting like a Now, he could have dropped what Paul later on said, what Paul later on said in Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. So bottom line, if they would have kept worrying, they would have experienced death. Figuratively, death means ruin. Contrary word for bad happening. When ruin takes place, that means bad is happening everywhere. Ain't nothing going right. Apple look good on one side, but then when you turn it, riding on the other side. Why? Bad happening. Nothing but ruin. Why? You're worrying. Make a choice. You're going to keep worrying like a sinner? Or operate according to the will of God? Whoo, Jesus dropped it on him, didn't he? Yeah. And Walker dropping it right now. Yeah. Say to your neighbor, I know I got to make a choice. Matter of fact, I done already made the choice. I don't want no ruin. I don't want no death. Lord have mercy. In my clothes. Notice this. In verse 32, he turns around and he tells them, he, he, he says, in the latter part of the last sentence, your heavenly father knows That you need all these things. You don't think God know you need some tennis shoes. God know what's in your refrigerator. He didn't knock at the door when he, when he came. Well, he didn't have to knock at the door. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He, he knows what's in your refrigerator. When, when you're trying to figure out if you got any milk, God already know whether you got milk or not. Ain't this powerful? He knows what, get this, you need. <laughs> what you need. And sometimes we talk to God as if he, know, he does not know, but he knows. <laughs> And, and sometimes God be done already told you what you need to do in order for him to supply the need. So he's sitting back waiting on you to do what he told you to do so he can go ahead and supply the need. And see, that was the case with the disciples. He, he was ready for them to stop worrying so he could supply the need. And if some folks go to God in prayer talking about how they need him to pay this and how they need money to do this and that and the other. But God, I've been saying to them for weeks, you need to start tithing. I know you need me to do that, but I can't do it because you are not tithing. 
And I've been using my deacon, my ministers, my, my pastor, and others to tell you you need to tie, but you still ain't tithing. And so therefore, you still going to battle with all this debt and this other stuff that's coming your way. I've been telling you, but I can't supply because you hadn't been obeying what I've been telling you. But don't act like I don't know you need it. I know you need a resurrection. I know you do. But I told you to do such and such. And once you do such and such, I'll give you a resurrection. Look at that last sentence again in verse 32. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Man, I need to get out this out. He know you need to get out the house. Man, I need a new car. He know it. But he also know that what he told you to do, you ain't did yet. I never forget. I told God years ago, I said, Lord, I'm just waiting on you to just bless me with a car and such and such and such and such. And, uh, and I just kept wondering, I can't understand how come I ain't getting no car yet. And the Lord told me, he said, you know, uh, I told you, if you're faithful over this, I'll give you this. And so the whole time I'm praying, telling him to do it. And he said, now ready to supply, but I wasn't faithful over what I See, sometimes God can tell you to do something real simple, and, and you overlook it because it's so simple, but that simple thing that God's been telling you to do is the reason you're not receiving certain things in your life. Keep the paper picked up, and I'm going to bless you. Put paper right there all the time. But I'm supposed to pick it up? Yeah. I told you to pick it up. I didn't ask you who put it down. I told you to pick it up. And if you pick it up, I'll bless you. Cut that lady grass right there and don't charge. And I'll bless you. She don't even hardly speak to me. Cut that lady grass right there and I'll bless you. I didn't ask you if she speak. And ask you if she did this, that, and the other. Just do it and I'll bless you. See, when God tells you certain things, you do it. In order for him to turn around and supply the need. How many are understanding? Lord of mercy. Woo, I got to close it. So, he said, Heavenly Father knows that you have need. Now, who is this Heavenly Father that's so awesome to where he knows about our needs? And, and if he knows, can he do something about it? Don't you, I'm going to look at one scripture about the Heavenly Father. And it's in the next chapter. Probably ain't even got to turn the page. Matthew 7 and 11. Look what Jesus said to the same disciples. If you did, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how 
much more will your Father who is in heaven give what? Good things to those who ask him. Say to your neighbor, I will Father in heaven. Give good things. That means when good start happening in your life, child of God, that's the Father showing up and showing out. I said that's the Father showing up and showing out. And notice what Jesus said. He gives good things. And you ain't focused. Y'all into all that thing stuff over there. Hey, God is into the thing thing. You didn't know he was into the thing thing? Matter of fact, we see now he into the good thing thing. He will give you what kind of things? He'll give you what kind of things? He'll give you what kind of things? He'll give you what kind of things? Now he done told them not to worry, but, but finally he breaks down to them exactly what they need to do. And if you'll notice, the implication is that they were not putting God first. They were putting their needs first. Or breaking it down, they were worrying first. Hey, look, this is what y'all need to do. Because your father know you need it. And he give good things. You need to seek first the kingdom of God. Get this. And his righteousness. The kingdom of God is God's number one reign. It's when you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior. Because see, anytime you're, you're trying to Meet your own needs. That means that you're not looking at God as your Lord. You're not looking at him as your source. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek his reign. Make sure he is indeed or in truth your Lord. Don't call me Lord and not. Do the things that I tell you is what Jesus said. When you seek the kingdom of God first, that means you you letting him know you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Not just in word, but in deed and truth. So you're seeking his reign. Secondly, the kingdom of God represents his rule, which equates his word. Know that when it comes to your life, that your life is to be subject to the rule of the word of God. That's the reason Jesus said to the devil in Matthew 4 and 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I'm going to submit to his rule or to his word. I'm going to live by it. 
I'm, I'm going to stop living by what I see and start living by faith, which brings in his righteousness. Notice again, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Romans 1 and 17 says this, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So if I'm seeking his righteousness, I'm in church. Why? I'm getting my revealed word. I'm getting the word that God wants me to have when it comes to my lifestyle. And whatever he reveals that I need to do, I'm going to start thinking it, talking it, and doing it. Why? Because he told me to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yeah, I acknowledge that I got to do this, but God going to come first. And then he, he tells them that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to be added to you. He's, you, you, you I'm going to make sure you get them things. That's the bottom line. I'm going to make sure you get them things. And I'm going to tell you something. If you put it into action, you ain't got to worry about no clothes. Only thing you got to worry about in, in reference to clothes is, is what you're going to wear. Because there's going to be so many you're going to have to sit back and say. You're going to have to put out the dresses. Go in there and get seven pair of shoes. Them right there look good with it. But I think I like them. Because I wore them two weeks ago. So Understand what I'm saying? He going to what? Add. See, he, he calls what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear a need. And then he said, I'm going to supply. Now, if he going to supply what you need, that means he's going to supply you with some good things. How much more shall your heavenly father give you good So when he finally starts blessing you after you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, God going to make sure you have some good things. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.